0: Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Mark, thank you for joining us today on Business Ninjas. We appreciate you coming on the show and, and taking some time to get us up to speed on where you've been and where you're headed. Thank you.
1: Nice to be here, Jamie.
0: Great. Uh maybe we could start by just knocking out a couple of the the basics, right? So the, you know, where's the company based? Give us the name of the company and the website, uh, just a level set for everyone.
1: Yeah, we're Verde, Verde.com, uh headquartered in Toronto, although we have significant operations in the US, you know, ranging from New York, Chicago, Minneapolis are strong bases of operation for us. And we have a we have a center as well that we operate in India.
0: Gotcha. Okay, great. And maybe you could give us a little bit of a a bio, just a a quick arc through your career to let us know how you kind of came to the present opportunity.
1: Yeah, I I tell people I was uh, I kind of grew up in the age when we were we were moving from typewriters to computers, so uh, that was kind of the early '80s. And uh, um, you know, I went to a technical school, a computer science school up in Canada called Waterloo, a very strong school. Um, And then I got out of school. I worked for um, large bank and the large auto manufacturer learned kind of the basics of IT there, and then eventually I wound up uh, working for Accenture. At the time, they were called uh-huh. Anderson Consulting, uh-huh. and um, had a great run there. Uh, eventually, I, I finished that up with. Uh, I was asked to start up an operation in Toronto for a, another, a smaller size consulting firm, but built that to about eighty people over a few years, and eventually we uh, sold that to AT and T. And you know that was right before I. Uh, Founded uh, Verde.
0: Great. All right. And maybe you can give us sort of the elevator pitch and the positioning around Verde.
1: Yeah. So Verde. If I was to describe what Verde does, um, you you know, what we do is we kind of make sure a company doesn't get left behind. And so that that idea that you know you have this great strategy, but the technology is keep holding you back, we solve that problem. We we solve that by teaching clients and training them to use software as um, something that should be accompanying strategy and keeping pace with it for all the time. So we're experts in digital transformation.
0: Interesting. Okay. And are there certain verticals where you're more focused than others?
1: Yeah, there sure are. So We do work in four primary verticals, um, the biggest of which is financial services. We have a software business that actually operates there, but let me finish the industry tour. Um, So financial services, including insurance, is is a big part of who we service. Um, And then we also do a lot of work in manufacturing, retail, and energy.
0: Interesting. Okay. Okay. And uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the origin story for the company, and then how that might have shifted, you know, as as you've grown and scaled from there.
1: Yeah. So, um, my co-founder and I, my brother, and we we similar backgrounds, obviously, not just in family, but he went to similar school. We both got trained in computer science. We both wound up working for large consulting firms. So, my experience at Accenture, his at IBM okay. um, slash Pricewaterhouse, and we realized over the time, what we were seeing is we were doing a lot of services work, project work for clients. Mm-hmm. And we realized that there's there a lot of software um, opportunities, things that we built for clients, each of us. And we said, you know, they shouldn't just build a custom project. They should think of that of a, as a software project and kind of manage it, manage it over a lifecycle. So, we, you know, when I left uh, that company that sold at and mm-hmm. I called them up and I said, hey, you know, we should take our experience, combine it and then kind of go to market with our own vision. And so we did that. We actually started out as a services business. And over time, we got into the software business, which meant our vision of taking a custom project, but turning it into an operating business model for clients, where we would actually manage the software over long term and help help the features stay current and those kinds of things. We actually brought that to life kind of in, um, probably about seven or eight years ago.
0: Wow, interesting. Huh. Okay, and so that—that that, I mean, you probably have a couple of different sort of revenue models. I would guess then, if you still have, it sounds like two sort of different business models. So maybe you can walk us through what that looks like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let me talk about the software business first. So yeah. we 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 developed software for the financial services industry. So for insurance agents and financial advisors, those kinds of people. Um, it's a it's a full marketing automation suite um, featuring websites and email. And uh, what we've done is our, our our reputation there is we do personalization at scale. So you might be one of two thousand insurance agents under a brand, but mm-hmm. our platform allows you to have a a unique version of your own practice under that brand, and that's different in the marketplace because most are just repeat, repeat, repeat. You know, a little bio of of a, a broker or an agent, and that's the way they go to market. We enable a much more personalized. Uh, ability with a simple software stack
0: interesting okay wow wow so that yeah you've got quite a wide footprint that if you're having to personalize on that sort of a scale
1: that's right so we do that for some of the largest wealth firms and banks and insurance companies in north america and so it's a very growing business very popular and then the other side of our business is is the digital transformation um business where we're working also in finance, but manufacturing, retail, and energy, and we're building things like employee portals. We're building supplier portals. We're building dealer portals. And the idea, again, is is as these business evolve into kind of this digital economy. Um, we believe that building the right digital solutions to match your strategy is really crucial. Where we're different is we're training these companies, and sometimes we do this for them, is to treat those projects as long-term software so that because the traditional uh, era that I grew up in was a company would decide to go redesign its supplier supply chain with digital. They'd put a lot of money in, they go build it, and then they'd ride it for 10 years or five years and then have to go back and do the same thing again. So what we try to do with companies is say, listen, rather than have this big mountain and finish line, why don't you actually smooth out your investment and we'll develop the software over time. What that does is two two critical things. It keeps the software current, so you never get behind. It also smooths out your investment and keeps your users getting what they need. Because instead of actually satisfying them once and then declining over time, the value you are satisfying them over and over again over time.
0: Wow. Okay. And so that sounds like a prescient choice because you were on you were already executing on things that everybody during the COVID year all of a sudden had to. Do like probably in a little bit of a panic state. Um, so maybe, maybe you can tell us what that experience was like. I mean, those were unprecedented challenges for a lot of companies, and I'm sure you were well positioned to help them through it. So, what was that experience like?
1: Yeah, so I would say we were certainly well positioned. I mean, it felt like we went home on Friday, came back Monday, and nothing had changed in some sense, in that our business really didn't change people. You know, our our company worked off laptops, right? All of our okay. systems and client software that we work on, it's all either on a cloud, their private cloud, or some other, you know, highly secure cloud. And so the business model didn't change. Here's what changed for us, though. And I'll, I'll talk about the dynamics, you know, internally, and then with our clients. We suffered a bit of a revenue drop because clients, everybody just stopped, right? They kind of yeah. said, wait a minute. It wasn't like they didn't stop doing work. They stopped starting projects. And so we had we had a drop-off of about 15% in our, our red top line revenue. That didn't cause much disruption. We could manage, we didn't lay anybody off. We kept everybody's jobs. And so we kept going. The big thing that we had to figure out with our clients and staff was communication. And so the internal, we were used to seeing our clients on site a lot, you know, once a week, twice a week. We would see our staff every day. And so instead of having these informal discussions where word of mouth would just get passed around the office and everybody would stay in sync because they were isolated to digital or or these meeting schedules. Like you and I are on for 15, 20 minutes. That was the limitation of the way news was spreading. And so we had to invest in some technology to fix that. Um, We started hosting more all staff, all staff events, all staff meetings. And we we learned to become a more digitally savvy company. We were already pretty savvy, Mm -hmm. um, but we, but our, there was a communication gap there that we had to displace and and right now you know we're 90% remote so and we were we were the reverse when we when covid hit we were 90% in the office and right. we completely flipped that uh that location although our business and our staff has pretty much stayed consistent
0: that's great and then after that initial revenue drop i'm i'm guessing that as companies had to focus more on the digital side of their businesses. You you must have seen an uptick in in what you had already been telling companies they needed to do. Uh, that must have been a, a market driver for them to finally take it to heart and get busy.
1: Yeah, I, 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 that's exactly right. I think what we saw was we had this stall effect. So it's kind of like a it's kind of like a plane stalling, I guess, and you know it drops a couple thousand feet, then picks up and goes back on its way. That's if you look at our growth curve as a company, that's exactly what happened. There was probably 12, 14 months of that stall effect. Uh-huh. And, then, you know, what happened was the clients that we had came back and invested the same and more with us. And then we had a bunch of new clients that we had been marketing and selling to all through the COVID period. And that was really about building relationship, staying consistent, staying in touch. And when they came back and had budgets released, we were there and we were the beneficiaries of, of that investment cycle that came back. That's great. Yeah.
0: And is is there a sort of an ideal customer type or attribute for you as that you know, a sweet spot in the market where they're either in a certain part of their life cycle or a certain headcount or something like that, where you're a particularly good fit for them?
1: Yeah. Well, I think anybody who's struggling with how to do digital transformation, you know, if they're lacking a plan or they know they need to do something, but they don't know how to get started, that's really a good fit for us. It's typically typically an executive of a certain size. Uh-huh. So, you know, we're probably best fit for companies that are over 500 employees. That that ballpark is probably where we fit best. And we're most of all, most of the time, the buyer is going to be like a chief marketing officer, a, a CIO, a CFO, a CRA, CHRO. The Chief okay. human resources officer. Those mm-hmm. are the kinds of buyers that we typically experience. People who want to invest in a digital transformation program. They have some scale and some needs. And they probably, you know, they probably they might have an internal software team, but they're looking for somebody with some external experience that's kind of been there before to where they're going to help them kind of make that transition. And then also for us to help teach them how to do the sustainment program of you know how to actually budget. Consistently for a longer period of time, and and keep rolling out um, new elements of their of their transformation.
0: Well, wow. okay, interesting. And then uh, leveraging off of that sort of relationship building arc that you are on, uh, what what is the outreach strategy for the company to reach folks that maybe uh, you know hadn't heard of you or or are just starting to get going? Or you know, are there certain social media channels that you focus on or you know, what's what's your strategy for letting folks that know that you're an
1: option? Yeah, I, I think, well, you can certainly reach us at our website, Verde.com. That's probably the easiest way. But we're also very easy to reach on LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, I would say as a business-to-business channel, though, LinkedIn is probably number one. Our website's number two. And then our emails are pretty available as well. So if you go to LinkedIn and you reach out and contact me or one member of our team, we usually get back to you in the first 24 hours if you're thinking about reaching out to us.
0: That's great. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show. We you know, love the chance to to learn about companies that are on an, a, a growing trajectory and it's going to be fun to see where you go throughout 2023. So thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it.
1: All right, Jamie. Have a great day. Good talking with you.
0: Hey, are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io.